0: I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. So, people, I have an awesome opportunity today to be here with the one and only Ivy Felicia. Hey, girl. Hey. Hello.
2: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. I feel like I've been waiting to
0: talk to you in your podcast for a little bit now. (laughs) <laughs> and I've been waiting to have you. <laughs> I am so glad that you're here. And I've said this to you personally, but I just want to even say it now. You have been a gem to know even in the short time that we have been able to connect. For those of you who are listening, Ivy and I met through a mutual friend, um, Dr. Taylor, who is over the Mind in My Black Business platform. And when I'm sorry, Mind in My Black Business platform. There we go. And we both have this thing for definitely wanting to continue to support plus size women. But Ivy's doing a damn, like for real. She really is. And I want her to tell you all about who she is and how amazing she is because she really is. it's um, definitely been somebody who's inspired me to really step out of my own box and be more confident in being my thick self. So Ivy, tell us about yourself. <laughs> so like you
2: said, I'm Ivy Felicia and I'm the Body Relationship Coach which simply means I just work with women who are feeling frustrating, shame, anger, even pain, um, whether it be physical or emotional pain around living in their bodies. And I help them by sharing holistic wellness with them from a weight neutral perspective and also helping them with practicing personalized self-care. And so my passion, um, my newest member of the family, baby of the family is what I call her, Uh, is Fat Women of Color, which is a new extension of my brand. And I created that for Black and Brown women of size and just to help offer them sisterhood support and sanctuary and so that's how you and i first connected dr eve around just that concept of providing empowerment for women of size
0: we don't think about how often there's so much discrimination against people who are of size we think about race and gender Mm -hmm. quite often maybe even social class but fat discrimination is real. So I say thanks again to you for the work that you do. And again, for the impact that you had in my life and getting me to say, I'm really going to own this fat thing and I'm going to do it. So you you rock. Mm -hmm. I'd be interested in knowing a little bit more about your story because you are a first generation college graduate and you know, it's all about the first Mm -hmm. gens like, Hey, so tell us a little bit about (laughs) you you deciding to go to school and really how you've evolved to where you are now professionally. Sure. Well, like you said, I,
2: I am a first gen and I never really thought about Well, I had thought about it. You know, the fact that just my ancestors and my story and, and where both sides of my family come from. and But I hadn't thought of it in a, the sense of the fact that I belong to like a larger community of other first gens. So I love the concept that you're sort of like creating this sense of community where, oh, you're a first gen. Oh, me too. So... <laughs> You know, I come from, on my mother's side, both of my grandparents were sharecroppers. And my mother's side of the family, they pretty much stopped school like around sixth grade. You know, my grandmother, she's turning 100 this year. And um, she shared with me a long time ago. Yeah. And she shared with me a long time ago that she stopped school around sixth grade. And after that, you know, they were expected to work in the field. That's what they did. And so my mother was one of the very few in her family who actually graduated high school. So mm. like for her family, that was sort of like a first-gen thing for her to graduate high school. And then my father, his family was a little bit different, but they definitely came from poverty and, and not having running water and that same type of lifestyle. And so they were both very passionate about education for me and my sister. So, you know, that passion for books and learning and education has just always been there from day one <laughs> from my parents. And so it just sort of, you know, carried over to me. And um, I think the one thing that was, I guess, challenging was the fact that because they were first-gen high school graduates and neither one of them went to college, they didn't really know how to help me when it came to picking, choosing, registering, all those things. So a lot of that was sort of new to me, but I knew that it was something
0: that I wanted to accomplish. Absolutely. So what helped you to make your decision to go to school in terms of what school you went to and maybe even what degree program you decided to take up? For me, it was about affordability.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's important to share that because I think a lot of times maybe kids who are going to school now or kids or adults, you know, adults who might be just deciding to start school or whatever, like. They might feel ashamed around around schooling their budget or their pockets. Or, and I feel like it's important to share that because it's your education and have your experience, even if you originally based your decision off of your pocket.
0: Gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah, I tend to start off with um, and, I, and I go back to why. People decided to go to college because I think especially for us as first Mm -hmm. generation graduates, that's where a lot of stuff started. That's when we realized that something Mm -hmm. about us was different or we could be something different. And I think that's where the core of becoming who we are, you know, in this moment really was like sparked because uh, in college changes us significantly in the way that we have access to the world in a way that we never imagined. So I thank you for sharing, mm-hmm. you know, what even compelled you to go, even the background about your family, because something about you said, I want to do something different. You know, I see where my folks have mm-hmm. been. I see the kind of life that we've had to live and something's got to give. That's kind of, you know, what happens, I think, for most of us, mm-hmm. um, for sure. So even just thinking about how things have changed you from the academic perspective. How do you believe that college has helped shape who you are today? Um, I think the biggest change for
2: me, like I I thought going into college that my biggest change was going to be economic, but really? I really feel like my biggest change has been, yeah, I thought that would be like the biggest. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, college is going to be, if I get it free, it's going to be business, it's going to be bad and I'll have access to this type of job and those things. And so I wasn't even entrepreneur minded at all, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, from the beginning. <laughs> but for me, I would say it just gave me to me It made the world so much broader. Like um, mm-hmm. it just opened up the world for me. And there's so many things that I was, of course, exposed to in just like elementary school, high school. It just sort of opened up my mind and my perspective about the world and gave me like more, I feel it gave me more of a worldly view about things. And it also provoked my passion for exploring more learning because once I realized that, and I think that also came from Maybe the um, the way that I experienced education and learning, where there was a lot of you're writing papers, giving theory, your thinking, you know, which is somewhat, I feel like for my experience, it was different than going to high school, where high school was you learn this, and then you put those answers on the test, and then you get your grade, and then that's it. It wasn't a lot of independent thinking, but college was a lot more independent thinking, And I think that sort of sparked and prepared the way for a lot of what I do now around just speaking, blogging, writing, activism, you know, all of Mm -hmm. that. It started that free independent thinking path for me.
0: I like that you said weight into that because something I'd like to know about how the platform opened up or how you kind of evolved to where you are. What has been the most challenging aspect of your journey after having graduated from college?
2: I would say the most challenging part of the journey was sort of just like figuring where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do. <laughs> because I, I felt like, you know, leaving. It's like, oh, you go to college and, and then you just have all the answers and the path will just be straight and you just walk on that path and you know you'll make this type of money and you'll get this type of vehicle and home and you're like you'll have these types of friends and just I feel like that's sort of how college is portrayed where it's just you go to college and that will answer everything for you but I think mm-hmm. the biggest challenge was sort of for me figuring out okay now what do I do with this education and and where do I go in life with it like what do I really want to be because there's a misconception that because you have the paper that the paper automatically gives you all the answers or that it dictates what your next step is but it doesn't you know the paper is there but you still have a lot of other decisions that you have to make as a new adult in the world and not just in regards to education but in regards to a lot of other things that sometimes school doesn't teach you like you know just Mm relationships and friendships and culture and, you know, a lot of other things that are out there in the world that sometimes you don't learn inside of a book. And being a new, fresh adult, (laughs) you have to sort of navigate those things and realize that the paper didn't really answer all those things, by the way.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then the other part of it is family has a perception that it did and you have to yeah. be like, oh, yeah. no, I got the paper, but it doesn't mean I'm rich. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm wealthy already. <laughs> I still got to work for it. Yeah. <laughs> that could be hard to navigate. How did you navigate even the the difference of going from a family that doesn't have education to being perhaps one of the most educated people in your family? Mm. Um. Well, there, there definitely are, and I feel
2: like this is not just my family. I feel I feel like it's cultural, and I think about other women of color or people of color that I hear it, who are first gens, even in like Hispanic and Asian communities and other communities, even Native Africans and Caribbeans and things like that. That there's this expectation that you know the whole family is sort of like on your back right? It's like, you gotta make it, you know, because Mm -hmm. you're the first one out and you have to make everybody proud. And it's just a lot riding on your back. So I think for me, it was just establishing my own, you know, my own goals, my own dreams, figuring out what those things were and pivoting them a couple of times, actually. Mm. (laughs) and, And being able to make that pivot, to where it aligns more with my soul and what I feel is my purpose, mm-hmm. um, at least for now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Okay, you
0: get there. So mm-hmm. just thinking a little bit about, you know, the journey and like you said, the, the academic thing that life changes. At what point did the body positivity and body acceptance come up for you and w- what happened to even get you in this space? Mm hmm. And that's the irony that had nothing
2: to do with school. So um, so for me, um, body acceptance and the work that I do with holistic wellness and women's empowerment. I did touch on that a little bit in college as women's studies was part of my studies. But um, very cool.
0: Very cool.
2: <laughs> for me, it was more about just my personal life journey and really my lived experience experience became my passion. And so that's really what got me into the space of body acceptance, being able to share my lived experience around chronic illness, around living in a, a marginalized body as a woman and a person of color and a person who lives with a chronic illness, you know, how all of those things sort of push you out to the edge of society and deny you access, unfortunately, equal access to a lot of things. And realizing how that affected my life. And then once I had you know, this awareness of that and how that shaped me as a woman, I started how it was impacting other women and, having, and and just realized to help other women also discover their voice and push back into the center from out, out of those margins and back into the center and take up space and use their voice to ask for what they need from the world.
0: I love that. I think that's very powerful because in my mind, uh, when I think about what you're sharing, when I think about the work that you do and I think about even the work that I do, it's all about having people show up in spaces that otherwise they may not feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. And even for us, I know we've yeah. had a conversation before about being both first gen, Black women and plus size. So many intersections.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. not only do
0: we <laughs> have the grunt coming from Nah you fat We have it coming from Nah you black Mm -hmm. Then we have it coming from No you a woman Mm -hmm. But then let's talk about Socioeconomic Mm -hmm. status In terms of Even education It's not that we don't have The capacity to be Wonderful Mm -hmm. and outstanding Because we are But then sometimes That first gen barrier That lasts well well long for the rest of our life you know in terms of what well, we mm-hmm. have access to chapters the game you know for example i can't just call my mom and ask her to tap into her networks of, of powerhouses vps executives ceos it doesn't work that way that's not to say she mm-hmm. didn't know folks but yeah. some people from other classes yeah. and other other backgrounds is as easy as a phone call oh i grew up with that person who's the president of such and such nah not me g <laughs> i a noob. yeah you know, But that's life. And then even how people perceive us being from low s e s backgrounds, that barrier to be able yeah. to move forward is is harder. So like what, what you're doing and being able to encourage people to accept their bodies, it's kind of like the same thing and people getting to come to terms with what it means to be first gen. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit harder for you, but it's not impossible. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I
2: think another, like, barrier, I think the, actually the first barrier for me was accepting who I was and where I came from myself first. Really? And, um, yeah, definitely. Struggling with feeling worthy and not really having all of, like, shit. You don't have the, the know how exposure that a lot of other people who might come from money or come from wealth or come from certain socioeconomic backgrounds, they've been exposed to certain things. They, they understand networking or they understand, you know, what it means to, um, like you said, pull on friends from different parts of their network or society and things like that. And those are things I had to learn. I had to learn what networking looks like, you know, what it means to build partnerships, what it means to collaborate because that didn't come from from family you know that didn't come from my Mm -hmm. background I think you know my my first barrier was not feeling ashamed of coming from a lower SPS and from and coming from poverty and realizing that it actually became a source of pride for me um Mm -hmm. once I made with it and it became an inspiration because both sides of my family, you know, I have on my desk in my office. I have a picture of my grandparents and it just constantly my ancestors inspire me to do what I do every day because I know that they hope for something better. And so Mm. I just hope that I am that something better that they prayed for and that they hope for in the future.
0: I love that. And real talk, something that I admire about what you just said and I've never truly considered it in the way that you've put it is how the first barrier is acceptance of who you are and where you come from mm-hmm. because yeah it seems to be that because we come from these places that are associated with not so good things that as we rise, sometimes we forget about those places or sometimes we don't want people to know about those places. Yeah. I only want you to see the good. So I love yeah. you <laughs> to us to say you got to accept that. That's real. You can't change it. <laughs> you might as well accept mm-hmm. it. So some people don't want you to know. Can I be candid with you? Mm-hmm. I ain't had a, a situation where I was talking to my husband about the very thing, it's just having to learn to embrace where I'm from. And the minute I did that, mm-hmm. it changed the world for me because I'm trying to be who I need it. And I can't be that if I've changed too much, if, if that makes sense. If I'm unrelatable, I yeah. can still be, mm.
1: you know,
0: Eve, Eve with the PhD, the educated one, hood star, and still relate and kick it and chill. But also go back to where I am in professional settings and articulate and network and connect, you know, have the vibe necessary to move forward in that atmosphere. What they call it? coach with you? Right. <laughs> You got to handle you so First up is acceptance. I, I love that a whole lot. So for those of you who are listening who have yet to accept where you're from, because you might be embarrassed or ashamed. Mm-hmm. You have heard it first from Ivy. Accept it. Like it's a part of who you are. Yeah. And it's a part of what makes you who you are. So be strong in that because that's important. Like ah, that's the gym for the day. <laughs> Thinking about life advice. What is some of the best advice someone has ever given to you?
2: Immediately when you ask me that, the first thing that came that came to mind is my father has always told me and he still tells me and he'll probably tell me today if I talk
1: <laughs> because it's his favorite thing to always tell me.
2: But he always says, Don't let someone who can't give you a yes tell you a no. Mm. And so, you know, he always would tell me that if you're going to whatever it is when it came to buying a car and try to, you know, play games or look down on me because I was a black woman or because I was a woman. And he always told me, you know, don't, don't let them treat you any kind of way. Don't let them talk to you disrespectfully. You know, if, if you're not getting the treatment that you deserve from one person, ask for the next person, ask for the manager, you know? So, or if you're going into a, a setting where you're in a business and you feel like you're being mistreated, you know, speak up for yourself. Don't let a person who can't give you a a yes tell you a no. If they don't have that authority, speak to the person who has the authority. And so it's been priceless because now (laughs) as an entrepreneur, I mean, I actually just had a situation happen yesterday where it definitely was a situation that I had to speak to a person in authority about a situation that I didn't like, but I had to remember that I have the right always speak up for myself so um mm-hmm. that definitely was a foundational principle for me that I continue to be able to access every day
1: so can you tell us about a time that you experienced adversity and what was it that you did to overcome that time of your life oh man just one time <laughs> <laughs> um let's see <laughs>
2: I'm trying to think of one that like really sticks out for me. I would say being an entrepreneur, I remember a few years ago, you know, I really hit a point where I was fully decided that entrepreneurship was not for me. And I was going to quit. Um, You know, like somebody had hacked my website and some of it was, a person that did it maliciously or how it happened, but my whole website crashed and I lost everything and I was going to have to rebuild the website from scratch and I lost all my blog posts and it's a long story. But anyway, it was just one of those moments where I really questioned whether I wanted to continue because I had felt like I had put in so much blood, sweat, and tear equity, and it felt like I was sort of starting over, but it actually, I got my emotions together, and i it really was a big pivot for me because instead of quitting, I actually did a really big, brand evolution, relaunched the site in a different way, came from a totally different perspective, still doing body acceptance and women's empowerment and all of that, but just from a different space. And it sort of felt like, you know, a phoenix coming from the ass. Mm-hmm. And it just really taught me how adversity sometimes can be one of your most important, pivotal points in life, whether it's professional or personal.
1: Mm, I love that. So, your Thank piece you. of advice to oh, you're so welcome. For so your piece of advice to those who are first generation and considering entrepreneurship, what would you say to them?
2: Remember your why. No matter what, when you start, remember why you're starting. Make sure that your why is something that you feel within your soul. It can't be just something external. It can't be just money. It has to be something that you feel inspired by daily because times will come where you will be tested on how committed you are to that why. And it's that commitment that's actually going to keep you going, not the money, not the success, not the recognition, because sometimes none of those things will be happening. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you still have to have the commitment to stick with it and to believe in your why. And it's that, you know, sticking in that commitment will help you stay there until times get better. And then you'll be able to look back on it and say, Oh, okay. Now I'm glad I didn't give up and I, I stuck to it.
1: I love that. That's great advice us what's next
2: for you? What's next for me? I want to continue with social activism for marginalized people. Um, I'm definitely feeling more and more passionate about helping people in marginalized bodies, people of color, people of size, um, people of lower SDS, social economic status, ensuring that those people can reclaim wellness and that they're able to thrive. And for me, that looks like continuing to provide safe spaces for Black and brown women of size to experience sisterhood support and sanctuary, to explore wellness and self-care in a way that doesn't exclude them based on who they are, where they came from, and what they look like.
1: And so as we're wrapping up, what is the one thing that you'd want listeners to walk away with? Follow your passion. You, you owe that to yourself. Don't
2: believe external messages, no matter what those external messages are. And by external, I mean the things outside of you in society that tell you that you're not worthy or you're not ready or you're not capable of following your passion. Just take it one. I, I tell this to my clients all the time. Take it one breath at a time just say I'm going to follow my passion and just take it one breath at a time you don't have to have all the answers you don't have to know how everything's going to work out you don't have to have all the money all the resources all the collaborations and partners those things will come as you go along but just start and take it one step one breath
1: at a time Mm, absolutely thank you so much your time today has been amazing. I've enjoyed the wisdom and your thoughtfulness. You are amazing to me. You really are. Can you tell us where in the social space, internet space, can we find you? Sure. Um, my website is me,
2: my body and love.com. And um, you can find all my social information there, but on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me under I am Ivy Felicia. And you can also follow Fat Women of Color on Instagram as
1: well. And for those of you who are listening, I'll be sure to link those details in the show notes. So check them out there so But you can check out my friend Ivy. Well, Ivy, thank you again for your time. I'm looking forward to all the great things you're going to continue to do. Take care.